What is going on, Fantasy Alarm family everywhere? It's time for another episode of the Family Times Podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. My name is Justin Fedsterman, along with Matt Sells and Ryan Hallam, per the usual. Guys, it's been one week of baseball. It's been great having it back. And there have been a hell of a lot of injuries. We're going to cover what happens when you lose a player. And we're going to cover maybe some waiver wire options you can look at at said shortstop positions. You probably know what player we're going to talk about to lead off. But, boys, how you doing, Selzy? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. It's a Friday night, so that's always fun. Are you, ready, are you ready for the emu? The blue emu yeah, the maximum blue pain emu relief. Maximum pain reliever, 5,000 trillion, <laughs> billion, billion. I mean, I don't think it has enough names this race. I'm trying to promote your freaking stuff on the radio, and I'm fumbling over my words because this race has about 7,000 names in it. Yeah, you need some pain relief trying to say the name of the, the race. Uh, I would be, but the Xfinity guys can't get off the track because there's a continued rain delay down in Martinsville right now for the Xfinity race. It's going to be raining there for about another hour. So uh, they're going to be driving till the early hours of the morning here. So we'll we'll see if the uh, cup race gets gets in tomorrow or not. But I'm ready. Content's flowing. Feeling pretty good about it. So, But other than that, we got baseball, which is awesome. Uh, except when your fantasy team takes a beat down in the first week due to injuries. so <laughs> And when your Mets steal a game because an ump has no idea what he's talking about, and I'll, I'll break that down later. Ah, yes, there you go. What about you, Mr. Hallam? I thought about you. I know that you are a fan of the of the beer, and with that, it was National Beer Day, my friend. I hope you got to celebrate and had a merry old time with some nice brews that you probably – can't find anywhere because you are a beer connoisseur. I uh, I actually did. I tweeted out uh, that day for you know everyone always says happy whatever to my friends who celebrate. So that was what I tweeted about National Beer Day. Uh, enjoying now uh, an, a nice IPA from Kings County Brewer Collect, uh, Collective, which is down in Brooklyn, New York. Um, I'm quite enjoying it, I have to say. So looking forward to a fun show. And like Matt said, all of the sports and the baseball. And uh, it's it's been a good time, man. It's it's you know you remember this time last year, we were talking about you know ourselves because that was all there was to talk about. So, you know, fast forward one year and things are a hell of a lot better than they were April ninth, twenty twenty. Amen, man. When you put it in perspective like that, it's just amazing to see because, again, just having baseball back and just so that everybody has thought that the pandemic was over, like we talked about on previous episodes, this thing ain't over yet. And it's impacted some teams there. And with that, that's why I was telling everybody on previous episodes of family times that maybe playing in weekly leagues for all your casual players, where you make roster moves weekly rather than daily, maybe not a good idea this year of all years, but sells, they never listen, right? Like kids, they never listen. Yeah, exactly. Just like my kids, nobody ever listens. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm in some weekly leagues. They're the ones that I've done for about the last, you know, 10 years, 12 years or so. So I wasn't really going to change it up this year. Um, you just kind of got to ride it out. I mean, it's the same thing as getting a guy injured on a Monday, right? Like, I mean, you know, if if – if you're playing in a weekly league and a guy gets injured on a Monday, there's nothing you can do about it until Sunday. So um, 
that kind of bit me there the opening week with between AJ Puck and Tanner Houck because AJ Puck was supposed to be up. So I put him in my lineup and missed out on the one good start that Tanner Houck had and then put Houck in my lineup for Puck because Puck got sent back to the minors. And then Eduardo Rodriguez came back and I missed out on the start from Puck or from Houck. And now Puck's injured. So my uh, pitching merry-go-round continues to happen. So I don't know. I don't see why COVID really changes anything for weekly leagues. It's kind of just like an injury to me. I guess my thing, and Ryan, maybe you could give a comment on this. My thing is, is that if you lose a player, let's just say, on Monday, I know it's like an injury and everything like that, but you're really stuck if you have exposure to a team or two that are involved. That's a problem. You're screwed. You can't do anything about that. So if you have multiple hitters, let's just say, on two teams and they get ruled out for about three or four games, come on, man. Head-to-head leagues especially, you're done. I, I will say I did have that. I had Juan Soto, uh, who the Nationals didn't play the entire first weekend. Thankfully, in this league, the first yeah. week was uh, a week and a half. It was that Thursday through the following week, so it didn't really screw me. So at least I got a whole other week out of him. But, yeah, I, I, I kind of like weekly transactions as well. Um, I'm only I'm in a couple of them. There's there's some that also, like, uh, Tout Wars will let you make uh, moves for the weekend, so you can make, you know, not not pickups, you know, ads and drops, but you can change, you know, bench to, to hitters for the weekend. Um, so that's actually, I think, kind of the best of both worlds. That way you can get somebody out, at least for the weekend, if you lost them early, uh, but you can't change your roster. I, you know, yeah, I, same I mean, with TGFBI is like that, too. It's like Thursday or Friday, uh, you could switch up your roster, but the the pickups are only on Sunday nights. So it, it it's not so bad. I mean, sometimes it happens in your favor, which is cool. So I don't know. I I played in those leagues for a decent amount, so I guess maybe I'm just used to it. I don't know. It doesn't it, it doesn't really bother me all that much. Yeah, I mean, it did hurt me in my home league to be clear, because I have James McCann and Brandon Nimmo from the Mets, who I obviously didn't get to use the first weekend because. They didn't play because the Nats were scratched with, with COVID stuff. So, you know, I got bit by it. But, you know, I, it's kind of the way fantasy baseball works, in my opinion. It, weekly, if you get hit with, you know, a roster transaction or an injury in the beginning of the week. Yeah, head-to-head. If you're doing head-to-head, it should just be daily. Um, but if you're doing categories or roto weeklies, I don't have a problem with weekly. Yeah, I mean, guys, speaking of injuries, and this is the big one here, Fernando Tatis Jr., subluxation of the shoulder. First of all, I have been doing injury coverage for basketball with FantasyAlarm.com for years, and I've heard a lot of phrases. I have never heard that phrase before. So it describes a very specific set of circumstances. A subluxation, I'm not a, a doctor, but I did do some reading up on it from doctors. When the joint pops out of place and then pops back into place, that's why it was listed as a partially dislocated or a subluxation of the shoulder because it actually popped back into place. Um, but the problem is that you stretch out all the muscles and the tendons and ligaments and everything that's connected in there. So I don't know, man. The, do you think he comes back in 10 days? Because the Padres are pretty sure he can come back in 10 days, and I don't see why is, or is how. It, isn't end-of-season surgery on the table still, or rather surgery that would likely end his season? Their GM said that he does not need surgery. Yeah, okay. they're they're kind of, they're trying to 
play it best case scenario. I, I'm, I feel, I don't think he's going to be back in 10 days. I won't be surprised if he misses close to a month. My problem is how effective he's going to be when he comes back. Obviously your shoulder when swinging a bat is incredibly important. He's had a couple injuries already in his, his career. Uh, and I am a huge, um, uh, I hoard Fernando Tatis Jr. So I am dealing with a lot. And so I'm basically praying to everything holy that this is somehow 10 days he comes back and, yeah. and I'm able to, to survive this. I will say that Nick Madrigal last year for the White Sox suffered the same thing and he was out for about two and a half, three and a half weeks, which ended his season because he suffered it in like the end of August and obviously the season ended in September because it was a short thing and whatever. So it did end his season last year, but it was a three and a half week time frame. But he slipped in drafts this year because there was concern about his shoulder. He wound up having to have off-season shoulder surgery to to make sure the joint was like structurally sound. So I don't I don't know, man. Tatis had a shoulder thing at the end of spring training, and it's got to affect the way he plays shortstop, right? Like, how are you going to make the same plays you usually make if your joint, if your shoulder joint isn't as stable as it should be? It's a good point. It's a very good point. So that leads me to this question. I was actually talking with Adam Ronis about this on Alarm After Hours on Sirius XM last night. And, you know, how do you value him if you, at this point, do you maybe look to trade Tatis and see what you could get? For instance, I, I actually brought up a couple of players, one of them being, let's just say right now you could get an offer of Tatis for Alex Bregman. Would you consider doing it? I yeah, do, I'd take I Bregman for Tatis. Okay, what about someone maybe not of the same position? You want to beef up your first base. Maybe you have enough depth and you want to trade him straight up for Jose Abreu. I would take Abreu. I mean, it's the reigning AL MVP from last year, right? The guy hit, what, 341? He's been looking pretty good to start this year, too. So, especially in an OBP league, that's a monstrous monstrous bet to get. I mean, what do we do at this point, then? Because how do you value? I mean, is this a buyer's market for him? I mean, I hate saying for an injured player, this is a buyer's market. However, this guy is a first-round caliber talent. You guys have both have already expressed concern that not only with his hitting, but this is something that doesn't impact us from the fantasy side, really, but his fielding. And that's something that if he can't field and things start going wrong, they try switching him around. Maybe he doesn't play every day. That's a problem right there. So we're this early in the season, and we're going to talk about what happens when you're actually confirmed that you'll lose your first round pick this early, whether or not you're screwed, talk about what to do. But in this situation, guys, ultimately, where do we stand? I feel like any of us that have invested in him are in purgatory right now. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of taking a wait and see approach. I, I think that you, I'd be surprised if you could get some of those trade offers that you just threw out there. Uh I think you're probably, if you're looking to trade him, uh, you're going to get a far, far lower uh, return than those guys. So I, I, I'm, I will I'm, say somebody in FA chat today asked if if they should trade Tatis if they were getting Bogarts back. That's close. And I said, yeah, I would do that. I would take that. Guys, people that. are paranoid. People are paranoid. But and others... Others are the other way. Others are like, hey, they're saying because the cat, you know, I have the opinion that the casual player doesn't necessarily 
even do a lot of reading. They see something on a bottom line if they're watching a TV that says he could be back in 10 days. Oh, it's 10 days. I'll trade for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm going through a little bit of the same thing here with Mike Soroka. I traded for Mike Soroka this offseason. I actually traded Ozzy Albies and Luis Patino for Mackenzie Gore and Mike Soroka. Um, because I uh, I figured that, you know, Soroka was basically back throwing at that point. He'd be fine. He maybe missed two starts through the rotation, and then we'd be good to go. Well, he threw a bullpen session a couple of days ago, felt discomfort in the shoulder, and now he's been shut down for two weeks because he has shoulder inflammation, not attached to his Achilles. But, you know, so I took a shot there. So, yeah, you're kind of gambling right now if you're trying to trade for Tatis. You're still going to have to, I would say, offer pretty much fair market value at this point. Because if he does, in fact, come back in 10 days, you've just traded for a first-round pick, right? But if you're trading for him, you also have to know there's a serious risk that he may, in fact, wind up missing most of the rest of the season, right? So you can go get him. I'm not telling you not to go get Tatis and take a shot if you have another option at shortstop. If you're banking on him to be your starting shortstop, it's not going to happen for a little bit. So just be just be wary and try to do as much reading up on this as possible. I uh, I am not, as much as I just said in the teams that I have him, I'm not going to actively search him out in leagues where I didn't get him. Uh, because Correct. I I do think that this is prob- likely a problem. Uh, and it's probably going to, I don't want to say ruin his season, but it's definitely going to have a significant impact on his season. So Now, if somebody be- offered you a trade offer, would you be actively shopping him at this point? The only league I have him in is TGFBI, and I don't think there's any trading in that league. So I can't trade him. I've got to make waiver wires. To- I mean, I, I always, you know, trade offers come. I'm always, you know, all ears. Um, but it would have to be someone significant like the guys we were laying out for me. I'm not selling them for 50 cents on a dollar. If I can get right. 90 cents on a dollar, yeah, I'll probably take 90 cents on a dollar at this point. Uh, but not only is he a generational talent, he's actually someone I like. Uh, so uh, I would like to keep him on my team, and I would like to think that uh, he's going to be able to turn this around. Yeah, and if you're in a dynasty or a keeper format, you're, oh, not, trading. Not, even, you're, no. not, you're not even contemplating trading Tatis. If you're in a redraft – you would contemplate it, but not in a keeper or dynasty. Guys, who are some shortstops that maybe for the short term you would be considering to grab off of waivers? Let's say that you think could be available in 12 team leagues. I, I, I The one league that I do have them in that's 12 teams, but it's not the most competitive. I was able to pick up Paul DeYoung from the Cardinals. I don't think he's probably available in most 12 team leagues. Uh, a guy that I, I, I kind of like uh, is Jay Cronenworth, also mm-hmm. of the Padres, who I think we all kind of liked this offseason yep. if we knew he had everyday playing time. But he and dropped. Kim. Be- yeah, and he dropped because we didn't know what his playing time. Obviously, now he's going to not play shortstop. Probably Kim's going to play shortstop, but Cronenworth will probably play a lot of first and second. Uh, so I think he's going to get everyday at-bats. So those are two. A uh, little deeper, Willie Adamas for the Rays. Uh, never going to win you a batting title, but it has a little pop. I believe he hit home run today. Uh, so that's a little bit of a shallow, mid, and deeper options for you. Yeah, a couple more deeper options. Willie Castro of the Tigers should qualify at shortstop and third base. He's got some nice pop. I know the Tigers' offense isn't 
great. Neither is the park they play in, but he should be available in most leagues. Jazz Chisholm may, in hmm. fact, have shortstop, uh, depending on the site and the format and what they use, because he he came up as a shortstop in the minor leagues. So if they're still counting that, he would qualify as a shortstop. Otherwise, he's a second baseman. Um, that guy is available in too many leagues at this point. Um, you could also see what's going on. Um, the Mariners should have a couple of guys available to fill a middle infield spot. If you right. have a middle infield spot open, you could go look at like Dylan Moore or Ty France. Um, those guys should be available too. There we go. I mean, they always look for the next opportunity. And this is something big as well because I know that going into this year, injury spots are a bit controversial. Some leagues don't have any. Some leagues have so many. And I just want to say this, guys. For the leagues that have unlimited spots, I feel like this has to be a call to action. These fantasy sites that offer that have to make sure that when a player becomes active, you are frozen until you activate that player. You can't set your lineup. That's a problem. And I, in football, it happens. And in baseball, it's more positions. And if you're going to have an unlimited IL, that's going to be a real pain in the ass for the commissioner to have to literally be traffic cop every single day for the entire season. And you know people will do shady crap just to win. So that's my thing with unlimited IL spots. These sites uniformly have to figure it out through their coding. Maybe Matt Sells could give them some advice. <laughs> he is our tools manager at FA. But they need to figure out that absolutely no roster move can be made until that IL is adjusted when a player is activated. Yep. I mean, you know, football, it generally happens if you try to make a pickup and a guy you have on the, um, you know, injured reserve in football, they'll say, hey, that guy's healthy again. You can't make a pickup until you activate that guy and then drop somebody else to activate him generally. So um, baseball, it shouldn't be that hard to, to figure that out for these sites either. But I'm with you because you can stash a whole bunch of players if that's the case. And just, just stash them and wait for them to, to you know, come back and then you got yourself a, a superstar squad. Right. So that's that's just something that you all have to do. And we all learn how to become better commissioners. That's just how it goes. We can all become better. I do stupid stuff with my leagues. And you know what I've learned? I've learned my lesson. I've done things to make my league mates better that other people part of FA, like Howard Bender, Adam Ronis, don't agree with me by giving weekly payouts. There's no one way to do this. But when it comes to the IL, that's something uniform that we have to control, especially with baseball. Guys, let's talk about what we're bringing to the family table here on the Family Times podcast. I don't know why I did that. Been watching The Sopranos lately. Yeah, the Italian thing. But let's start with you, Mr. Sells. What do you bring to the table? Okay, so baseball needs to fix their umpiring problem. <laughs> that's, that, dude, that's been going on since the beginning of time. I know. But I have been on the bandwagon here at FA for robo-umps for, I don't know, three or four years now because it's so bad. It's so bad. Like, you know when certain umps are behind home plate because they immediately start trending on Twitter at this point because they're missing strikes at a ridiculous rate. Uh, Angel Hernandez had only 80% of his balls and strike calls correct 
Eesh. in the last game he was behind home plate. One in five calls he flat missed, including one that was legitimately eight inches outside that he called a strike. Okay, we all know Angel Hernandez is terrible. But now you've got Ron Culpa, who flat missed a call that gave the Mets a win that should not have been... Well, it, they may have, in fact, won the game later. But Michael Conforto should have been called out. He was hit by a pitch in the strike zone by leaning his elbow into the pitch. It was clear on video replay that he leaned his elbow in, did not make an effort to get out. And if you're hit by a pitch inside the strike zone, that's a strike. The strike takes precedence over the hit by pitch. That would have been strike three. He would have been out. It would have been... And it was so bad, by the way, the SNY call for Ron Darling and company admitted it was a horrible call. They were flat out saying that Ron Culpa screwed that call up, messed it up, and that the Marlins have every right to protest the game. Okay, these things happen on a daily basis. On a daily basis. I've watched six games today. I've seen six egregious calls, right? I'm, I know we all want why basketball is better, by the way. I know we all want the human element. The human element is in the players. It's not in judging or umping a game, right? And if you're going to have replay, MLB, reverse some damn calls because they've reviewed multiple calls this year that were horrible on the field, and they let them stand because they never want to up. You know, they, they never want to show up their umps. Your umps suck. Make them fireable. Don't give them lifelong tenure like they're a freaking Supreme Court judge. And when they suck at their job, take them off the field. It's not that hard. If I fail at my job, I get fired. If I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, I get bumped down the chain of command. Make that happen for umps because you're literally ruining the product on the field. Got nervous about my job security all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, as usual, I'm going to take it away from sports. And Matt, you, we were on a phone call earlier today uh, when we learned the news of Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones coming out with their fifth installment sometime next year. Um, and I did not realize this, Fancy, and I'll see if you do. If Harrison Ford is the star where he is Indiana Jones and he is the action star, it will be just a shade before his 80th birthday. It'll actually come out after his 80th birthday. 80th birthday. Can we put some things to bed in Hollywood? Like, what are we buying here? Indiana Jones, Harris at 80. What is he going to do? The 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 action is the the is, what's the you know? Is he going to make it to the bathroom on time? Like, what could possibly be the plot here? That an eighty-year-old man in an action movie—he's—it's uh, got to be—he's got to be like the dad. He, I, you can't send this out here with him being with the whips and the and the swinging through. It, it, it can't. Eighty. Put it to bed. Stop with the Rocky. Stop with the Indiana Jones. Stop with top with all, all the stuff that was successful no, when we Stallone's were. No, Stallone's not going to be in the third Creed. Good. See, he knows Can when we, to stop. Can we come up with? <laughs> This, are, there, are all the original ideas gone? We just had a year where there was no movies, nothing going on. I hope all these screenwriters and everything thought of ideas while during COVID so we can have some goddamn original things come through the movie theater. Because if it's not a sequel, it's a cartoon. 
And that's basically it anymore. So, Jesus, Harrison Ford at 80 is going to be Indiana Jones one more time. <laughs> would you be, what would you say if I told you I've never seen any of the Indiana Jones movies? Eh, I mean, they were, they were big. I'm like 10, 12 years older than you. I mean, they were, I saw the first two. I'm not even sure I saw the third one. The first two were great. After that, they pretty much kind of went downhill for me. It's not, it's not that bad. I'll tell you this. If there's a movie that I'm looking forward to coming out later this year, because you guys know I'm a big Sopranos guy, it's the Sopranos prequel, The Many Saints of Newark. I'm so excited for that. To oh, come I didn't out even know about that. Yes. Cool. And for, and for those that are in my age range, late 80s, baby, Mortal Kombat's coming out. And it's probably going to be a waste of time, and I'm still going to waste my time watching it anyway. Okay? Because Sub-Zero rocks. That's not what I'm bringing to the table, though. Uh, guys, I'm going to I hate bringing down the mood, but I'm going to for a little <laughs> bit, just for a minute. And I'm going to be serious for a minute, and then that's that's going to be it. But as you guys may or may not be aware, we we lost a, I don't want to say a hip-hop icon, but a very big-time hip-hop dude, DMX. I mean, I grew up, DMX really, when he released his first albums, it was the late 90s, early 2000s. He was all over it. And songs, high-energy songs, I'm all about it very motivating. You hear them in sports arenas all the time. It's just, you know, excellent, excellent music. However, it's beyond the music here because DMX, the reason that led to his passing, unfortunately, was drug overdose and everything like that. And I know we just went through a pandemic and this is something that hits a little bit home because guys, I don't know if you guys know or not, but last year I lost my cousin because of that. And it's one of those things where, you know, again, you're never alone. You got your family. We're family at fantasyalarm.com for a reason. And we're people too. We're all people. And people need each other. Everybody needs someone. And there's always someone that's out there to help. You ask for it. I've seen random people ask for that help on social media, whether it's support, whether it's a prayer. There's always someone out there. And I, just want to say that, guys, it's something that now over, especially over the last year, hits near and dear to my heart. So I just want to say, you know, don't turn to drugs, but turn to others because there's always some kind soul out there, especially in this digital day and age with social media going haywire that will help you lift your spirits back up and help be there with you, even if you never met that person before. So, guys, that's what I'm going to say now, but it's been an awesome week with baseball being back. Like we said last year at this time, we didn't know when we have sports again. So it's just been great. You got to relish in the moment. You got to live life to the fullest. And hey, it's been an awesome episode. We'll be back next week for Matt Sells, Ryan Hallam, I'm Justin Fenstrin. The family is always with you because all together we always dominate. No other option. We just win. <laughs>